1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another fabulous episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. I am your only host today, Jeff Verhouse. We're having some technical difficulties. And so it is Mano Imano here today with uh, who's our guest here? Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh,
0: hi, I'm Seth Rolsey.
1: Seth. Um, now normally I like to banter with the co-host a little bit, but unfortunately it was just me, so it sounds weird if it would have just been me. So <laughs> we're gonna banter a little bit here. All right. Uh, how's your summer going so far, Seth? Uh, it's going. It's going well. It's good. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. It's a little rainy today. You got big plans for the weekend?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, the weekend not not too much. Um. Uh, actually no no.
1: <laughs> no all right listeners
0: uh it'll be a riveting
1: episode i'm sure based on that little bit um but i'm sure we'll get some good information out of seth uh so sit back relax and enjoy yourself so seth we always like to start with your johnsonville story so tell us a little bit about that
0: uh so i started as staff management uh that was probably about 13 years ago uh And I first heard about Johnsonville, and I knew I wanted to get in here because it is such a great place to work. And I heard that you can build yourself um, uh, just by working hard and persevering and just trying to do your best. So I pursued Johnsonville as staff. I worked for staff management for about a year and a half. Uh, and then from there, I got my break in sanitation over at Meadowside.
1: So where were you a staff member then? At Meadowside? or Because um, yeah. I remember you from Riverside, so that's yeah. why I'm going to ask him.
0: Well, I bounced. I volleyed all over. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mainly, I started in the smokehouse when I was staff. And then they brought me over to Meadowside, and then I was doing sanitation over there. And then it was back over to Riverside.
1: Okay.
0: So that's where I met Dina Grundle. And Dina actually uh, threw me a bone, said, "Hey, you'd probably be really good for a position over at Meadowside in formulation sanitation." Okay. And uh, so, yeah, the rest is history. I I threw my hat in the ring, and it worked.
1: And so, after Meadowside, then where did you end up? Because I know you've you've been all around
0: here, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I did that for three years, and then I ventured over to Riverside. Okay. Uh, My goal was to gain uh, CCP experience. And, and CCP is what? Uh, for critical control people points. People like
1: me who don't, I don't know. <laughs> I should know what that is, shouldn't I? Yeah, I think well, I should.
0: There, there was another appealing aspect to it. Um, it just being like vintage Johnsonville because it's old world process. So mm. that appealed to me. It was neat, you know? So I applied and I got the position over at Riverside. And um, so in the smokehouse. So I was a smokehouse operator for about three years, uh, perfected that. And then <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> Everybody else is like shaking their head, like, yeah, right? Clearly. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. And then uh, I knew that I needed some SAP experience to make myself a little bit more malleable in the company. Uh, so I ended up getting a backup role as a line supply member. Okay. And then from there, there was an assistant team leader position of production support at Riverside. And I went for that and I got that as well. So that was my last endeavor uh, before what I am now as R&D technician over here at the tech center with Gidget and the team. So, And how's that going for you? Uh, great. Yeah, you love it? Yeah, it's, it, it opened my eyes to a first shift lifestyle. Uh, I have two kids, 8 and 10, so they appreciate Daddy being home. Gotcha.
1: Getting to put them to bed and all that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were on second shift predominantly before that? Yep. Okay.
0: Yeah, actually, that was the full uh, extent of my Johnsonville career previous to um, R&D technician.
1: So how's it like getting up in the morning now? Are you (laughs) you struggling? Because I I don't know if I'm all ready for it yet.
0: No, I like it. Um, Okay. Actually, I've been... Uh, once the girls weren't in school anymore, I, I told Mama, aka my wife, sure, sure, uh, that I'd be uh, biking to work, and she thought it was a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. but, so I, I generally am on the road biking to Johnsonville uh, at six o'clock in the morning. Wow! And, I get and how far is your trek? It's not bad. It's okay. it's eight miles. I don't want to nah, sound like Lance s- Armstrong or something. Yeah, but so that's like
1: eight more miles than most people bike. <laughs> Wasn't well, actually sixteen because you're are back. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, um, and I know you're on the first responder team because yes. you and I sit on a bus every year <laughs> and head down to Milwaukee for the uh, conference. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, are you on any other teams around here? Uh, yeah, high angle rescue team. Oh, that's right. So yeah,
0: that's a fun one to be on. Yeah. Have yep. you
1: gone down to was it Devil's Lake? They, yeah.
0: done their um rappelling course. Yep, yep. yep. Right. Actually, we just did one this last summer, and it was amazing. Uh, we did a, uh, a sequence of rappels. We we actually hiked all the way to a summit which it's basically a glorified hill it's not <laughs> the we, we summited the hill. No, no 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 say summit some <laughs> of this huge you know rock face yeah, or yeah, something. That's, yeah. and uh so we actually did a sequence of different repels so we didn't actually climb any higher we just started at the peak and then we went all the way down to the bottom of the the hill which was pretty cool that is awesome yeah mm-hmm.
1: All right, Seth. So now let's get into why you're really here is to talk about this crazy thing you do uh, with camping. Now, my family and I just bought a pop-up camper this year uh, because we had two trips planned. And we thought, let's just, you know, save ourselves some tenting and get a a pop-up camper. And so we've gone for one weekend. We're supposed to go this weekend, but it's raining. So that's the extent of my camping experience. Now, apparently you take this to a whole nother level. Now, explain this to me. Let's start with how you got into it, I
0: guess. All right. Well, um, so when I was growing up, it was, uh, you know, I I got to that age where I was kind of not sure what I wanted to do. And my parents kind of gave me a couple options. And one of those was a school. And it was Voyager Overbound. And uh, it was uh, a neat experience. You know, it was a neat uh, theory. Uh, to go camping for two months and that's what the duration of the camping experience was. Um but little did I know it was like like wilderness boot camp. Okay. <laughs> it was uh it was harder than I expected. It it was harder than I'd ever could have uh, And how imagined. old were
1: you when you were doing this?
0: Uh so I was right out of high school. So I was oh, okay. eighteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so it was you and like how many other kids or what? I shouldn't say
0: kids. Yeah, no, no. Um, So there was a group of people. All in all, it was about um, 12 people. Okay. And then there was two instructors. Um, But the school is based out of Ely, Minnesota. And uh, so the trip was, it spanned from the Boundary Waters in Minnesota all the way around up into Canada, Northern Lights region. Uh, And then we ended up back into the Boundary Waters. Um, but really it was, um, it was a sequence of different tasks, different skills that you would learn out there. Um, anywheres from rock climbing to sea kayaking in Lake Superior to, um, there was a hiking portion of the trip as well. Uh, so there was a really vast array of, uh, wilderness skills that they really wanted to instill in you. There was backcountry EMS. There was, it, it was really to instill also leadership values, um, because you did i mean each person had a phase of what they had to do to either lead the group or uh, navigate the group um but yeah so i got into it mainly uh because i thought it was going to be a neat experience i thought it was going to be a life experience that i'd probably never get a chance to do again and it sounds like it was then it was it was uh it was a life altering experience wow honestly um it, it was one of those experiences that uh it really gave me trajectory on where I wanted to go, um, uh, instilled values in me, and yeah, I, I credit a lot of it to the person I am today. And so, what was it called again? I'm just so yeah. the listeners have it again. Voyager Overbound is the name of the school. Okay, yeah, we'll
1: have to put a link or something because, like, That's I'm really it. into this now. Like, that sounds so cool. It's my mom. Uh, So my kid's three right now, so we can got 15 years to plan it out. It's fine. (laughs) It'll be fine. Um, And so that led then into, as an adult now, of doing two-month... Camping trips, is that right? Or or okay, all right, because I'm like, there's no way I'm spending two months (laughs) with a bunch of little kids and my wife anywhere, really. Much Gidget. I'll I'll be back in two months. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna take an extended leave of absence. No,
0: no, it's been since then, it's been like week excursions out there, uh, out in the sticks, as I refer to it, but um, no, it's uh, I've never been out there that long again, you know, I, I started. We Had two kids. Um, my wife they always and put I, dampers on your plants, don't they? <laughs> yeah, just suck all the fun out of it. There, there was a portion of my life right after I got out of there, and I um did some other things. I, I pursued some other adventures, okay. uh, nothing as adventurous as spending two months out in the woods, sure. but it was um, uh, and I met my future wife, and I was in fact in a go. Um, right before I met her, and I was going to go and do an apprenticeship through that school, Voyager Overbound, and I was okay. going to take kids and youth uh, through that same adventure that I had been through. Oh, okay. So, But I met her, so uh, now I am here at Weedy
1: World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny how life plans change, don't yes. they? Yep. Okay. So um, how? where have you gone then on these week excursions that you're talking about?
0: Uh well, generally it's the boundary waters. Um there's okay. something about that area. Uh it's gorgeous. I don't know if you've ever been to the boundary no, waters. No. It's it's um canoe camping, basically. Okay. So you have to portage your canoe and all your gear yep. directly to whichever campsite you want. And this isn't uh just your run of the mill campsite. Like it's up on this picturesque boulder surrounded by the most beautiful scenery ever. And like on the back side is a Giant rock face that's a natural slide into the lake, it's just so gorgeous, it's hard to really put in words. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. And
1: now you said it's in Minnesota, so like for somebody like me who's only been to the cities, so help me from there, how do I get to these boundary waters? Then?
0: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, when we went there, we rendezvoused, uh, those, so all the, the students that were going to be enrolling in this two month session was, um. Uh, Duluth Airport, so Duluth, Minnesota. So way north up there. Yeah, and it's about, I think, uh, it's been a while. Uh, I want to say about a six or eight hour drive there. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. From Duluth then? Yeah, from here to Duluth. Oh, okay, all right. And then from Duluth, we went to Ely. And Ely is kind of the the entrance into the Boundary Waters, at least for the United States. Uh, That's where you find a lot of your... Uh, outfitters and things like that If you're going to okay. rent gear And try to get sure. yourself in there um, But it's generally If you don't have experience With that type of camping It's wise to get yourself <laughs> I, a guide And get, yeah, to I to get, get something so. mapped out Before you just adventure out there Because yeah. you can get lost It's de- yeah. you know, deep woods
1: You end up being a movie made out of you After you lose your arm Or something like <laughs> Brad that Brad Pitt, yeah Yeah, with Brad Pitt Maybe could play <laughs> me Or you, whatever yeah, You know <laughs> I hope you're not losing your arm Either <laughs> Um, So now, I'm guessing you've taken
0: just your wife or your wife and your kids on these things? Uh, Actually, my wife has been on some adventure trips, uh, not with me. Uh, And yet, actually, I look forward to doing that with them. Uh, They're 8 and 10. I don't don't know how adventurous some others are, but I think kiddos have to be a little older. Because it is kind of grueling. You are carrying gear. You are... Camping out in the woods, and you got a bunch of skeeters, and okay. all you're eating not the the best cuisine out there, <laughs> not Johnsonville product, but you know it's that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys, I got my broads here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll yeah. be fine. But uh, No, I um I do want to bring them. Uh, actually, this is the first year that my wife and I had kicked the idea around of oh, actually okay. doing this for a week and trying it out and seeing sure. how it goes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um. So, is there any like dream spot for you to like go camping to or or kind of like a trip that you've heard about that you're like, oh that would be really cool?
0: Um Yeah, Colorado. You know, the Rocky Mountains are just uh amazing, obviously. New Zealand, I mean, getting way out there. Um but really I, I think as far as uh in a day car ride, I mean, the boundary waters for me are the pinnacle uh canoe camping. It was really such an experience um that yeah I, I really would be happy just, sure. just sticking with that I be honest So
1: how many times have you gone back then since that initial 2 month um experience
0: mm, I'd say it was only a handful of times okay. uh probably about 4 times uh each about a week um and a lot more relaxed okay. situation oh, Sure the trip itself was was really I wasn't joking, a wilderness boot camp. It okay. was uh, an opportunity for them to break you down, start as um, almost like an infant they treat you like. You know, they're they're telling you everything, how to do everything, and then you slowly evolve into this individual that towards the end of the trip, we went for an entire week, a group of six, so we split in two groups, and then we didn't have instructors, and then they kind of just set us out, and then we did our own jaunt where it was like you start at this lake and then you got to get to this lake by the end of the week and uh so it was at that point we we had our skills buttoned down we were able to navigate um prepare food and um set up camp and uh, yeah if anything happened address that situation awesome yeah so i guess like, I mean, I, it just seems like
1: such a life changing experience. I'm trying to wrap my head around it and ask you the right questions. But like, this is going to sound really corny here. But <laughs> like, like, how do you feel like that changed you as like a person? Because it sounds like yeah. the the way the way I'm hearing you and seeing you talk about this is r- really impactful. And. I guess it's such a broad question to just ask, you know.
0: No, 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 that's good.
1: But it really does sound like, um, you know, and such at a pivotal point in your life of of being 18, 19, and trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to do with life. And then all of a sudden your parents, you know, I'm not going to say they maybe forced you, but (laughs) it was, you know, like, hey, this is going to be really good for you kind of thing. So,
0: Well, the options I had were uh, get a job, (laughs) either go to school, you could do this other school thing, the Voyager Urbane thing, or get out of the house. <laughs> Those were my options. So it wasn't forced, but I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy my parents had the foresight to understand that that would be a viable option for me because it was. It was. It was an opportunity to, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, self evaluate. I mean, when you're out there in the woods for two months, you, you know, you get to know yourself a lot more. Your physical um, limitations. You get to know uh how you react under stress. you get to know um how you react without being you know fed There was actually a portion of the trip where it was three days and we were we didn't have any food we weren't able to eat and it was a solo portion of the trip and they actually took us and and uh dropped us off on a it was a large lake uh and out of the twelve people. Uh, they would drop us off in different areas. So and it was right on the shoreline, and it was so dense forest where you're not going to go trekking around in there, you know. So, But we only had a few things that we could bring. One was a tarp, one was a sleeping bag, and then we had a sleeping mat. We had a bug net, because if anybody's been to the Bonjour waters, they know the mosquitoes are horrendous. Uh, but then we had a journal, and we had a small bag of gorp, or trail mix, Um. And that's all they gave us. And we had our water, you know, so we live, you know, obviously you need water to live. Um, so we would actually go out there and we would sit for three days. And me, I mean, that was a day we we actually paddled the entire day. So you're hungry. Um, and uh, okay. we get to the lake and they say, well, this is the solo portion of the trip. And they kind of broadside you. And they're like, <laughs> this is what you can bring. And, uh. So from here on out, we're not going to speak, and we're going to drop you off. And then they dropped us off, and they said, we'll be back tomorrow, and we'll give you fresh water. And um, yeah, so from there, I sat out there and pondered and wrote in my journal and made a grocery list. and <laughs>
1: <laughs> All the things you wanted to eat when yeah. you got back. That's yeah, great. so
0: in 20 minutes, I had my Vega trail mix gone. I was sure. so hungry.
1: And sure, So
0: from there on out, I didn't eat,
1: so Yeah. And yet you survived, so that's the, yeah. the positive part of the story. This minute. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, beyond the the individual portion of you trying to survive, then um, any crazy other stories that you had, um, we were kind of talking earlier a little bit about it, and something with a rabbit. So let's start. let <laughs> we'll start with
0: that one. Well, uh, yeah, actually, it was a it was a very low impact minded group, so it, fishing was not really an option. Um, hunting anything like that it was it was more uh decreasing your footprint out there they were just advocates for being one, one with nature but um but anyways so yeah there was a guy uh part of our group and we were on a it was a group uh canoeing portion of the trip and he saw a rabbit And the guy picked up a rock and he (laughs) threw a rock at this rabbit, hit the rabbit, and killed the rabbit. (laughs) I kid you not. How far away was he? I I don't know exactly, but I mean, probably, I don't know, maybe 15 feet away. Something like that. It was an
1: impressive throw, as well. Okay, right. Right.
0: So obviously, that was a little taboo on this trip. (laughs) So he did the right thing. He brought it to the instructor's attention. And uh, once again, kind of how I was referring to, you know, there's limited food sources out there, so you're basically eating what you carry in. Okay. Uh, so we're all hungry, you know, and <laughs> he killed this rabbit, so we're like, can we prepare this rabbit, you know? And um, the instructor wanted to make a point, so he had the the person who threw the rock and killed the rabbit actually fillet this rabbit up and, and strip the rabbit, and, and he cooked the rabbit, and then he ate the rabbit. He, the instructor made him eat the rabbit in front of us. Oh, no. so yeah it was kind of not cool what <laughs> we were all extremely hungry and then you're like
1: i'm gonna throw a rocket rabbit too <laughs> yeah. i'm hungry where's the rabbit you would think
0: it, it would have induced a little bit more death of rabbits out yeah. there but it didn't <laughs> um i think just the fear of it because he we all just sit there and he had to enjoy this he, rabbit he fun felt boss. bad he did yeah. and uh so there was a learning opportunity there you know because as a team you know you're not supposed to be you know, breaking the rules or, or going away from the rules because there's um ne- negative implications to that. Sure, butterfly know. effect kind of thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um
1: now now something about a bear too, is that right? <laughs> I mean <Yeah>. I judging <laughs> by the rabbit story, I'm like really uh, into well, this bear story. If you story. like the
0: rabbit story, the the bear one will pull the rabbit out of the water. Okay. All right, let's hear so, this. Um, No, we didn't blow up a bear Uh, in the water. No, he's like
1: fishing for salmon. You're just like, let's blow him up. Let's throw a rock at him. Yeah, uh, then you, I can just see like a group of like twelve people just being
0: chased through the woods by this bear. Yeah,
1: not cool, mom and dad. Not cool at all.
0: Uh, So we did have a couple different incidences with bears. on the Boundary Waters, if anybody's been out there, you actually have to take Okay, you food. keep saying that. Nobody's been out there <laughs> listening to this. I, I to break it to you. Anybody
1: well, who knows about the mosquitoes, nobody knows
0: about the mosquitoes. Well, after this, if you plan on heading to the okay. Boundary Water. Oh, so it's it more it of an yeah.
1: FYI, kind of a public yeah. service. Yeah. If you go out there, there's a lot of mosquitoes <laughs> and bears. <laughs> You're selling me on this, honestly. <laughs> All right,
0: well, I'll tell you what. So, okay, a couple different bear incidences. Um, one night... We were um we had made camp, we had set camp and prepared our food, so the remainder of the food has to go and be suspended up above the ground because sure. there is plenty of wildlife out there that will rummage through your food and eat it, and that's all you got, yeah, so you protect it so um to make a long story short uh we had Um, tied a rope onto our food sack, and then we hoisted it up on this tree. Well, unfortunately, what we didn't think of, this tree was basically half down, so it was actually at an angle. So we got it up there, and everybody was tuckered out after a day of canoeing, so we ended up going and hitting the sack. So all of a sudden, um, and we previously had like bear training, Okay, so you know kinda of what to do if you're faced with, you know, a bear and an in incidence with a bear. So bear, black bear are just kinda of renowned for being bluffers. They'll just like run at you and then they'll like try to, you know, intimidate you to run away and then they run away because they really want nothing to do with you. Um so that's generally how you handle a situation with a black bear. Generally. But grizzly, don't run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah, you're you're done. You're done. <laughs> yeah. So um, so to make a long story short, they um uh we we tied up our food sack and we all hit the hit the hay. All of a sudden uh we hear a rustling and sure enough it's a black bear and he had shimmied up this tree and started um, smacking our bag of food. Oh, no. And he was getting at it, and it was to the point where it was starting to break apart, and our food was being exposed. Oh, no. So, luckily, a couple of the guys heard that, and they popped out and started yelling, hooting, and hollering. And sure, sure. And sure enough, the bear, and that's generally what you do, just freak out a bear, and it'll run away. And yeah. that's kind of what it did. Okay. Okay? So, at that point, I, we're I like...
1: I was like, really thought you guys were going to start
0: throwing rocks at what it. Well, it this way it gets better. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Oh. So... So obviously we couldn't rely on that tree to be a good <laughs> yeah, source for our food. So we ended up, um, we brought it down, and then there's another method of securing your food is you actually set up all these canoe paddles around your food. So you let it sit on the ground, and then you put pots and pans and things like that, things that are going to make a lot of noise oh. if they fall, and you surround your food with those things. So we did, and we went back to bed all of a sudden. <laughs> Pots, pants is there oh, banging. No. Yes, they're getting Jeez. all loud. So two guys made it out of the tent first. Okay. okay. So they did the yell thing. Well, guess what? That black bear thought it was going to be like, all right, now I'm going to engage. And it actually ran at the guys. Oh, and the no. Guys freaked out. And Obviously. Instead of, instead of sitting there, standing your ground, and act real big, they ran. <laughs> and that's not the thing you want to do. All right, but... You can't blame them in that moment. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not, no, we're no. not here judging. Man. Yeah. All right, yeah. all right. So they ended up... Um, uh, the bear, luckily, just was bluffing, ran away, okay. and everything was good. All right. So that was that was one experience. There was another one where we stopped for lunch one day, and um, we were enjoying our food uh, as much as you could enjoy dehydrated macaroni. <laughs> but uh, Sounds delicious. And <laughs> yeah. you know, on that three days of not eating, I bet you were like,
1: God, I could really go for some dehydrated macaroni. <laughs> it looked pretty appealing yeah. after that, yeah.
0: yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, all of a sudden we just stopped at a random campsite. And, uh, so one of the guys had to use the toilet. Well, out there, that's a whole other story in itself. The mm-hmm. toilets are literally, you know, like a porta potty how you just have, a uh, uh, formed plastic with a seat on yes. the top and mm-hmm. then you got walls. Well, in oh, the boundary waters, you minus the walls. Okay. You don't have walls. It's just literally like, uh, a, a seat. Gotcha. And it, I mean, it's, There's a tank down there and stuff like that, but it's actually really relaxing. (laughs) But anyways... (laughs) So one of the guys was going to use the bathroom. Gotcha. And he's going, and he starts to walk down this trail, and he gets halfway, and he's staring at a bear. And the bear had obviously smelt our lunch. Sure. So he's sitting at the end of the trail just kind of looking and waiting and not knowing what he's going to do next. So right away... The guy who's going to use the bathrooms like, I got to get everybody else. This is awesome. We need some yeah. pictures. Oh, so we did. We ended up, he got all of us. We went over there. The bear was just hanging out. Okay. And we all got pictures in front of this bear. Really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we got pictures to prove it. Okay. That <laughs> yeah.
1: story, I was like waiting for the turn. <laughs> yeah. The of, guy like, was guy, yeah, go going to the bathroom. Yeah. That would have been a great story. So after spending two months with these guys, you are you still in contact with any of them? I mean... It, you know, I, it being such a, a formative time in your life, I don't yeah. know if that would be something that you'd still be in contact with.
0: No, uh, unfortunately not. Uh, we did drop off. There was a little bit of contact as uh, you know, uh, you know, years went by. But I think people just, you know, take their own path and do their own thing. So no, I haven't. Um, but that being said, uh, the school does exist yet, and the really neat thing is, um, the majority of the instructors are still there. Oh, so, cool. yeah, my parents go there uh, frequently to the Boundary Waters. They still do that. Okay. And uh, so they go and they visit Voyager Overbound School, and uh, they got to meet some of my instructors. Um, so uh, being a semester student, which is the equivalent of staying out there for that duration of time, they, um, you're kind of like, uh, what's the word, commemorated? Okay. <laughs> that's the- it, Memorated, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think yeah that's right, so yeah. they kind of, I mean, being that you were out there for that duration of time and and you experienced all that different stuff, the solo portion and you know the rock climbing and the kayaking, it, it's like the Cadillac of Voyager overbound trips. Okay, uh, they do keep all that stuff on record. They keep who you went with, what lakes you ventured on. Oh wow, okay, yep. So a goal is to go back there and and to to show my kids and show my wife and sure, yeah, where I. uh yeah, kind of changed my life. So, did your parents do the two month thing too? Then no,
1: no. Okay, well, because you said they went back, so I thought like it'd be really cool if like your dad went when he was oh, like eighteen, be, nineteen. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a tradition kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I would love, 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 love to send my kids through that. Um, okay, uh, they. I think they would love that. My dad, no. he uh, He's getting older, you know, he's not looking well,
1: Sure, not right now, obviously, but yeah, I when
0: Yeah, even when he was younger. My, my parents had been to the Boundary Waters, and that's kind of where they got the whole theory. Okay. Um, but no, no. Two months is a long time for a lot of people to spend out there in the woods. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm with you on that idea. <laughs> yeah,
0: actually, um, when my parents came and picked me up, when, when we were finished with the trip... Um, Obviously, you know, I I had only interacted with just a few people besides the 12 people that I was with. And when you're out there, there's a lot of solo time, a lot of solo experience that you just, um, you become very internalized. And then when my parents came and picked me up, and when we drove back, we went through... Uh Wisconsin Dells. Oh wow. So talking about a culture shock, <laughs> It was a very uh unique experience. It, and honestly, it wasn't a great experience. It was something where I really wanted to go back to the Bonger Waters to have that solitude. So I, I'm not a big city guy. I, I do like me some some alone time, some rural living. Okay. Um but yeah.
1: So some of the other kids that uh were there from the same area like you? Or were there, like, big city kids who went there that, like, that would have been a really big culture shock for them?
0: Yes. Um It was <laughs> a very big culture shock for all of us. But, yeah, like you said, big city people. Um Actually, I would say the majority of those, the youth, I mean, they're about age range, probably between 18 and 20 years. Okay. Uh, instructors were obviously older. They were probably young 30s, mid-30s. Okay. Sure. Um, But... Yeah, I would say that everybody was kind of caught off guard. Uh, When we got there and the initial uh, meet and greets kind of thing, yeah, everybody was kind of dotted all over the United States. There wasn't one. Oh, really? Yeah, there wasn't one person or two people from one state. It was really kind of just, it was a unique experience. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so to getting to know them, too, was probably part of it. To to tell your backstory and how everybody was a little different and probably got... Different things out of it, or some of the same things too. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I there was a couple, you know, individuals that you just generally generally you gravitate towards. Uh, either you have more in common, or you're getting more or the similar experiences out of being out there. Um, but they did a good job at breaking down those walls uh, and making sure that everybody was very much a part of the group. Uh, one thing that you learn out there is it, you got to pull your weight because you're carrying, you know, lots of weight, and, you you know, you have to get to a certain destination, a rendezvous point. And, you know, some individuals handle that better than others. Um, I remember one specific guy, he just wasn't cut out for Boundary Water Life. He just really didn't really? care to be out there. And okay. he he made it known and, and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to the point where we were on a we were on kayaking adventure out on Lake Superior and out in Canada. And um, so we did a thing called a crossing. And what it is is basically when you're sea kayaking, you're not looking to venture into the middle of the lake uh, because it gets pretty dicey out there. And being in a little nimble kayak, you can flip over. Well, doing a crossing and you're following the shoreline, the shoreline actually jets in and then it comes around and then it, then you would follow back. Uh, on the shoreline so instead of having to follow in that jetted in piece of land you'd actually go across that body of water so you're exposed to the elements meaning like wind generally so it creates waves out there in lake superior you get some waves really and uh, so so we did we were determined to do that crossing that day and the individual not wanting to participate wanting to kind of not pull his own weight um we got halfway through and he ended up tipping over. And so think about this. You're in the middle of a body of water, a cold body of water. Okay. And you tip over in your kayak, so you're basically held in by a spray skirt. So it's kind of disorienting.
1: Oh, for yeah. Being yeah. flipped over that quickly, <laughs> yeah. and all of a sudden you're upside down yep. in the water. Yep. Yeah.
0: And so he, we ended up, we practiced before we went out, and we started sure. that portion of the trip how to do that, to experience the water, to experience being upside down uh, in the kayak and how to eject from your cockpit, come up, and then how to drain your kayak of the water that Mm. it obviously took on and then uh, get that individual back into the kayak without any land support, doing it out in the middle of the lake. Well, we practiced that next to shore with no waves. Sure. So you can imagine how many how difficult it was to do this.
1: Yeah, nothing's as easy as the practice one, right? Yeah. Okay. So we ended
0: up we got him back in and uh all was well. He was okay. He was disgruntled a little bit, obviously. He was a sure. little frazzled. But then we got uh a little closer to shore and then he tipped again. Oh no. <laughs> So by that point, uh, we we were lucky enough to get him in, and then got to shore, and it was late enough where we could make camp because he was just exhausted with just sure. fatigue and just frazzled, and he needed a rest. Interesting, I, and you would think that there is a lot
1: of kids like that who yeah. maybe not maybe not that they're unhappy, but it's such a change for them that to to go through that it it can take a little bit of time to. Yeah. Okay, this is where I am. This I got to do the best I can and make the best of this situation, and hopefully get the understanding of other people are you know depending on me kind of thing. So
0: yeah, I think that's exactly what he came away with. Uh, Towards the end of the trip, uh, we had met with our instructors. We had set goals, kind of similar to Johnsonville, but reachable goals that we wanted to achieve by the end of the trip. And then we wanted to set goals for ourselves. Um, in the future and we actually wrote a letter to ourselves and post it okay. and uh so Overbound sent it to us and, Oh, that's uh, cool. That okay. was part of his was that he wanted to be um, more resilient and he wanted to um, yeah be a better advocate for the team.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That and hopefully he got that just the same way you did, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh it was an experience. The solo portion of the trip was was very much um, I, I learned to appreciate even just having a flush toilet and <laughs> a roof over my head. Sure. Um, and then family, you know, cause I think that was something I was taking for granted previous to that trip. Um, so really it was, it was, uh, all consuming and, uh, life altering.
1: That's awesome. Well, um, obviously, people listening, uh, I'm sure, have lots of questions that they're screaming into their car stereo, uh, wishing I asked. But, of course, I, I can't hear you, folks. Uh, so if you uh, do want to reach out to Seth, I'm sure he'd love to talk to you about it, uh, give you sort of any sort of information uh, that you'd like to know. So um, hopefully you'll get some inquiries uh, shortly. Um, and with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. If you want to read the last little bit there.
0: Sure. So this is Seth Rolsey, and you've been listening to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way.
1: be fine <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs>